Drink in some men is a beautiful thing. Sweet Amon Dolan finds courage to sing. Shy William Thomas will realize he's handsome, but Frank holds them prisoner without any ransom. Who are you talking to? What was his name? Do you take me for daft? Every night was the same. Her mother would wash while she dried the dishes. Frankie would pace the room angry, suspicious. Occasionally, some glass or plate would be broken. Those were the lucky nights, crockery as token. Some mornings her mother used powder for masking a shiner, but soon all the girls just stopped asking. The threats go for hours. At long last he ceases, and stumbling half-blind in his boozy paresis, he crosses the room and falls into the bed. Nearby Margaret prays, Dear God, please make Frank dead. At twelve Margaret grew quite suddenly bigger and showed the beginnings of womanly figure. The old shirtwaists that had once fit her just right had, in the wrong places, become just too tight. Clinging and gaping where once they had hung, her mother was frightened. Sure, Peg's just too young. The garment's constriction confirming her fear, though younger than Juliet's fourteen by two years, the Romeo's pomaded would soon come a-knocking, cockaded parading, too true though still shocking, her Margaret gave off a narcotic allure. Just how might she manage to keep her girl pure? She tried as she could to conceal Margaret when they had to walk past all the slaughter floor men. Each walk across the floor was a dance of avoiding the puddles of blood and the catcalls of, Oiden, why all are you rushing? Stay back, you got time. My meat's not a rib, but it's certainly prime. Each insult occasioned a new gale of laughs. They toasted each other by knocking their gaffs together like musketeers crossing their swords, knee-deep in carrion, but feeling like lords. That red hair, that figure, had adult men sputtering a wordless desire, or else they'd be muttering dark boasts which a harsh glance could usually halt, but the theme of it all was that Peg was at fault. That she had invited, incited the wolfish responses, this siren so stuck up and selfish, who had no right acting so shy and so prim. You'd think she had diamonds all up in that quim. I'll have you remember that girl is my daughter, her mother would yell, but the men of the slaughterhouse would only be goaded to further chest-pounding, barbaric in keeping with their vile surroundings. The drain in the floor, a near-useless feature, meant to dispatch all the blood of the creatures, but gobbets of scarlet-black visceral scraps routinely stopped them up, clogging the traps. Above them, Hog carcasses splayed open, red, like empty, ribbed meat overcoats, overhead. Margaret employed what she'd learned from the nuns, deaf to the crude innuendo and puns. Her eyes she kept focus upon the far door, through which she could exit the abattoir floor. She also employed something else the nuns taught her by accident, namely, to fly in her thoughts, 
to a place close yet distant, both here and not here, present but untouched by doubt or by fear. For instance, she mused on the linguistic feat that gave creatures names quite apart from their meat. One didn't eat pig, as one didn't count muttons when going to sleep. Margaret thought of the buttons from bone on her shirtwaist, her boots good strong laces of rawhide, and then Margaret pictured the faces that daily she saw on the thousands of creatures, their snouts notwithstanding, how human the features. And thinking about the brown eyes of the cattle, she got through the door. She had skirted the battle.